Drew Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Ah, oh, it's a beautiful afternoon here in the capital city as it is perfect temperature and it's a perfect day here on the show border to border a couple days off due to major league baseball we enjoyed it some of us did some of us uh did not enjoy uh the major league baseball um but we got a lot to get into on the show today we've you've got a full hour of me and we have one guest and it's our favorite guest one of our favorite guests freddie coleman's obviously up there but he's on the air right now as well so um we can't have him on as much but my other favorite guest, the, the head coach of the flagship, the uh, JMU Dukes, uh, Kurt Signetti, will join us. Just finished getting off the phone with him. I do it right before the show because that's the time that works out best for him. And so uh, I just finished the interview. We will play it at 3.15. You'll hear from the head coach of the number one program in the state of Virginia. And uh, I think it's time later on in the show to update the power rankings, I think, for the state. I think it's time to update the power rankings, and and we only do we only do the uh, FBS teams, so making and Union and State. We know you guys could be better than some of these other schools, but we just do the FBS ones. So we may update the uh, the power rankings a little bit later on in the show. Uh, don't forget tonight your last opportunity to hear Braves baseball on our airwaves. Uh, Braves and Phillies tonight. Uh, first pitch is at eight oh seven, so our coverage begins around seven forty five or so. Um, your last chance to hear the Braves tonight. And I've said it all along, and AJ can can say it, and uh, Lewis was here, and I said it then. I called it before the series started. I said four games left in the Braves series season, and tonight's game four. Feeling pretty cocky, huh? I mean, listen, that's what we do in Philadelphia. That's what we do, and that's what anybody does. And I, we, I'm not gonna, this is not gonna be Philadelphia Sports Radio, so don't worry. But I do have a couple of things to say. Uh, first things first, the Braves are one of the softest organizations I've ever heard in my life and I've ever seen. For those who are not familiar, Orlando Arcia goes after game two in his locker room and he starts dancing around and says, oh, attaboy, Bryce Harper, and keeps doing it. And the reporter finds it. He reports it. He puts it out there. Bryce Harper hits two home runs. He stares at Orlando Arcia like, honestly, I want to take that picture and put it up on my wall of one of the best postseason performers, thank you, Nationals, uh, going and staring daggers through Arcia uh, on the base pass. And then we get into this fascinating discussion. And obviously, Bob can talk about it, and Sean's on with him today, so they can discuss it. But, like, I find it funny that all of a sudden, the clubhouse is this place where, like, you could just say things and nothing's supposed to happen. Like, I just... I'm a member of the media. I've been in many clubhouses. Well, not clubhouses. I've been in many locker rooms after games, whether it's football or basketball or any other sport. You know, you're talking to certain players. People in the background are doing their own thing that aren't being interviewed or anything like that. Just It's it's an atmosphere where everybody's trying to get some information. They want to get in and get out. Because trust me, the reporters don't want to talk to the players because for the most part, the players say nothing. They say absolutely nothing. A lot of cliches, a lot of like, well, you know, when you win, you hear all the positive stuff, one game at a time, blah, blah, blah. And like when you lose, you hear all the same thing. Well, we just weren't good enough. We got to do better tomorrow. Give 100%. But like while you're doing these interviews, if something's happening in the background and someone is dancing and doing all this stuff and saying like, ah, ha, ha, Bryce Harper, blah, blah, blah. Like that's free game. Like they don't let the, the, the reporters into the clubhouse right away. 
You have your time. I don't know. There's Each team has different things, and sometimes they close the clubhouse off, and they only bring the players out to talk uh, on the podium or whatever. But like to hear Travis Darno come out and be like, well, it's the sanctity of the clubhouse, and this stuff shouldn't come out. Like, seriously? It shouldn't come out? Like, don't, don't. When there's reporters in the room who are doing their job and trying to get quotes and, and report what they see in the locker room, like, how about for those 20 minutes you don't act like an idiot? How about for those 20 minutes you sit there, act professionally, and you, 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 know, you stifle your laughing at, at the opposition? I just think it's fascinating to hear from Orlando Arcia and to hear from Travis Darno and to hear from the wonderful Braves announcers. Like, ah, oh, you know, this stuff shouldn't get out. And there was an awful announcing article today that says members of the Bra- of the Atlanta media are defending Orlando Arcia. Like, seriously? We're defending a guy acting like a moron? And then it gets out and he's like, wow, no, I don't know, no, no. That's number one. And then number two is I, I, I hate all these people who are coming out and they're like, we need to change the format of the playoffs. Like I, I, there was a stat today on the Sports Center account that says the five best records in Major League Baseball went one and twelve in the postseason. So let's examine this logically, okay? Number one's the Braves. Braves just ran into a really good team. The Braves last week had uh, exhibition type games where they got pitchers pitching against hitters, and they had the hitters, and they had the crowd come in, and like they stayed ready, okay? So they faced a really good team this round. The Orioles, unfortunately, got swept. The Orioles were really young, really poor pitching-wise. Like, yeah, Kyle Brash is good. But, like, they were uh, they were almost a year ahead of schedule. And the Rangers clearly were a better lineup. Their starting pitching was good enough. The Dodgers got swept. The Dodgers are the most overrated, overpaid, whatever you saw Clayton Kershaw. He did what he does in the postseason. Like, it's not like the Dodgers have this long postseason history the last couple of years of just going to the World Series year after year after year. Like, this is a thing. This is under Dave Roberts. They just don't do well. Like, this team just doesn't, you know, you give a lot of credit to the Diamondbacks. The Tampa Bay Rays lost two games. That that was in the wild card round. So are we now going to go back to, we're going to make an excuse? Like, the Rays were injured beyond belief. Their starting rotation is nowhere near what they expected it to be. They weren't hitting. It's a thing of a three-game series. And then the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers lost the aforementioned um, Arizona Diamondbacks. So when I see the five best records are 1-12 in the postseason, yeah, I just explained all of them away. I'm not changing the the uh, the format of the postseason because the teams that have gotten the bye have crapped the bed collectively. By the way, the Houston Astros didn't. The Houston Astros, I mean, we all know why they didn't. They have the signals. They're using the trash cans. They're cheating. Like, we understand. That's why the Houston Astros are doing it. But, like, on the serious side, the Astros have a winning mentality. They don't let anything bother them. They go. They have veterans. They've been through everything. They've been through bye weeks. They've been through cheating scandals. They've been through every single thing that you could possibly go through if you're the uh, Houston Astros. And guess what? They won their series. Okay. Like, you can't tell me that this time off is a big deal. Here's the thing. You can use that excuse for the first game, but most of these teams played a day or two later. They're right back into the rhythm of anything. By the way, here's the other thing. What is it? It's it's four days for the All-Star break, right? It's four or five now, I think. It's 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 especially if you don't play in the All-Star game. Because it goes 
They play that Sunday. Then they have Monday off. The All-Star Game's Tuesday. They have Wednesday off. They have Thursday off. And I think they maybe had Friday off. I don't think they had Friday off. So that's four days right there that they're off and not playing baseball. No one complains then. I, I just, it, it annoys me. Complaining annoys me to no end. Because you could claim rust game one. You can't claim rust in game two. You can't claim rust in game three. You can't claim rust in game four. You just can't. Like, that's just that's just it. So, everybody's like, we need to change the format. We need to change format. No, we don't. Figure it out. Figure out what to do during that time. Most people, and I brought this up, and obviously the sports are different. Football teams love the bye week. Obviously, sports are different. Physical, whatever. The NBA, if there was a bye week, they'd love to have the uh, bye week. So I'm I'm just I'm tired of it, and it's a lot of the Braves fans are like, oh, we should have been playing Arizona. Who's to say you'd be beating uh, Arizona now? Like that's that's cool. To me, the Braves' heads are in all the wrong places right now. And then you got Spencer Strider, who a couple months ago came out and said, no, I, I still don't think this is 100% serious. But like there was a clip that came out where spent the, the the it was like a kid reporter asked Spencer Strider, do you have any hot sports takes? And he said, I want to go back to 2020 and have no crowd, no fans, no fans behind the dugout, no fans uh, lower deck. If you want to have an upper deck fan base, like, that's fine. Like, if you want to have people outside the stadium, that's fine. But, like, no fans in the building. Just wait until Spencer Strider sees what tonight's going to be like. You don't go and drop a a grenade like that in in Philadelphia and expect them to be like, oh, well, we're going to completely ignore that. I can't wait. Until Spencer hears his name chanted over and over again, and every pitch is scrutinized because Philadelphia is a home field advantage. But it's just—I don't know which which thing annoys me more—the fact that we pretend like the clubhouse is where, like, you could say anything, like, and that, or the fact that we want to change the uh, the Major League Baseball playoff format because the good teams are losing. This just in, the good teams losing in the NCAA tournament, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. We love when it happens. I like when it happens in any other sport. The eight beating the one, the few times it's happened in the NBA or the NHL, whatever it is, like the upsets are great. All of a sudden in baseball, it's like, ooh, we got to change the format. No, you don't. Think about it. Get through it. Figure it out. Play better. Your pitchers are as healthy as they could be. Here's the thing. And we're going to break because I'm going to play the Kurt Zignetti interview. It's already taped. Um, here's the thing. The Braves are able to set up their rotation. They, they get the opportunity to, to pitch both Spencer Strider and Max Reed two times apiece. That's an advantage. They get three of the five games at home. That's an advantage. The other team, in theory, could have used a lot of their bullpen and had to use their one and two pitchers to get to this round, so they start with the three. You know what the thing that people should be complaining about is? We had three off days in this series. We had three off days. Or two off days. Whatever it is. We had multiple off days in this series. That's what you should be complaining about. That's what you should be sitting there saying, well, that evens things up a little bit. Because now, if you look at it, and I'm pulling it up. So yeah, they played Saturday off Sunday. They played Monday off Tuesday. They played Wednesday. They're playing tonight. And there won't be a game five. But if they do, they have tomorrow off. That evens everything up right there. Because now, the Phillies could potentially start Zach Wheeler twice. 
that's where your problem should be is with the schedule here that they're not playing more quadruple headers or triple headers or whatever. That's where your problem should be. Not the format. It should be the fact that there's three days off potentially in this series, and that's the great equalizer. That's why the Phillies in game one were able to start their pitcher, have him go three-ish innings, and then just put every ace reliever out there back to back to back. But instead, we're complaining about the format. And we're complaining, last thing, we're complaining about Bryce Harper doing the throat slash. I don't love the throat slash. The the, the, the Braves do the tomahawk chop. What's wrong with the throat slash? I mean, in theory, it's, you know, it's not, I mean, I have no, I love everything Bryce Harper does, but like people are complaining about it. Same Atlanta fans that have no problem with the tomahawk chop. No problem with it. I don't love the Phillies fans doing it because it's still negative when they do it, even though they think it's making fun of the Braves fans. I just would rather get rid of the Tomahawk chop completely. But like it's it's just rich to hear from the Braves fans. Like, oh my God. The Braves announcers last night were on the broadcast were like, well, Bryce Harper's doing the throat slash. I don't think we should be seeing that. Guess what? We shouldn't be seeing 30,000 people because the Braves don't sell out. Um, we shouldn't see 30,000 people doing the Tomahawk chop. Last I thought, Tomahawk's main goal was to scalp people. Yeah, but did, did the Indians sign off on that? I'm just saying. Did the Native Americans sign off on that? I don't think they did. It's an offensive thing. I mean, obviously, Florida State does it. I think they have an agreement with the Seminoles or the the tribe down there because I haven't heard too much. I think they were more offended by, was it Chief Osceola and the, and the horse that comes out? But, like, I'm guessing that for all these years, Florida State has a agreement or at least a understanding between the two sides. I just... By the way, game one was Indigenous Peoples Day, and here we are, the Braves fans were doing the tomahawk chop. I don't think that's what was meant for Indigenous Peoples Day. I'm just saying, like, if you have a problem with the throat slash and you're okay with doing the tomahawk chop incessantly, like, you're wrong. They both go or they both stay, and they probably should both go. But hey, here's the best part. Get Bryce Harper out, and he won't do that. That's, I mean, it's a simple thing. Walk him. He can't do the throat slash if you walk him. So, as you can tell, I have a lot of fire today. Yeah, so the Braves will be airing on our station tonight. That's right. They, tonight. And then that's it. This is it. So, if you are a Braves fan, enjoy the game tonight. And I hope you soak in every last of the nine innings that the, the fine folks, they do a great job on this. I was listening to it a little bit on the way home just to kind of soak in the tears of the broadcast. Um, and if there is a game five, we'll see what happens. Border to border does not actually uh, share the views of ESPN. Rich, that mean no. You guys all love. Well, you don't love the Braves either. Our bosses don't love the Braves. They, all they do is they pay the paychecks. I am a producer here to do a job. But... I, yeah, I'm just saying. Like we love. You know what? If the Braves don't want to join us next year, we'll take the Orioles. I mean, I you know why? Why not? We love the Orioles. There's a lot of Orioles fans in this in this uh, area too. Hell, we'll take the Nationals. They don't cry and choke and like, ah, these guys are taking things we said in the clubhouse and reporting on them. (laughs) All right, let's take a timeout. Happier things. Kurt Signetti, the head coach of the JMU Dukes. They're playing this weekend. They're playing on ESPN2 Saturday at noon. And then on Thursday, next Thursday, they're on the road at Marshall on ESPN. That's more times that they've been on a four-letter network then probably in a long time. So we'll talk to the head coach, Kurt Signetti. You'll hear what he had to say next, 106.1 ESPN. 
This weekend, the Spiders travel to take on the Rams. No, not those Rams. The Rhode Island Rams. Our coverage begins Saturday afternoon at 1230. Here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN. Want to hit a home run for Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. JMU fresh off a of bye week as they return to the field Saturday at noon against Georgia Southern. If you're not going to be able to make it out there, watch the game on ESPN2. Joining us now, the head coach, Kurt Signetti. Coach, how's it going? Going good. Coach, is there ever a perfect time for a bye week? <laughs> I think once you start to accumulate games and, and the nicks and bruises start to increase, uh, any bye week is great, and this one came at a good time. What was the goal for you during this bye week? How much looking back are you doing, and how much getting ready for, for Georgia Southern are you doing over this time? Number one, uh, get our team freshened up, get them in the training room, get them healthy, get them feeling better, you know, about getting their bodies feeling better, uh, getting their legs back. Uh, but still uh, doing enough practice where uh, – you don't lose your timing, execution, technique, uh, but the practices were short. Uh, the Georgia Southern preparation was pretty heavy, um, as well as some self-scout, looking at other teams, seeing what the new trends are in football, and getting some recruiting done, recruiting evaluation one day out on the road. How much? Uh, how how happy are you? Obviously, your team's five and zero, and a coach can always find something wrong with his team, even when they don't have any losses. What's the biggest thing that sticks out to you that you need to improve? Well, we haven't played a consistent four-quarter football game yet, and uh, we need to get that. We're playing a quality opponent this week, a good team, team that beat us last season, uh, coming in here uh, very confident. And in all three phases, uh, you know, we have to start, finish, but maintain, you know, a high level of play throughout the game. We've had these uh, excellent starts. I think we're outscoring people 58-7 to in the first quarter. But, um, you know, we have not started the second half well and not always finished the second quarter very well, which in the past we've always done that well. So I'm, I'm looking for improvement there. But the most important thing is finish the game. I've also seen you mention the third down stuff. Is Are there drills you can do in practice to kind of hone the third down uh, conversions, or is it just something that you just got to call the right play and execute it? Well, the plays are open. I mean, with – Proper execution in third medium, third and seven to ten the last three weeks, we'd be at about 80%. Uh, you know, we've got a throw and catch, and uh, sometimes it's protection, but not a lot. Uh, and it's just been uh, some head scratching execution things. What does it say to you that your team won the low-scoring game against Troy, won a high-scoring game against Utah State, that you can go and play any sort of style, whether it is a higher-scoring game or a defensive battle? Well, and those are, you know, quality teams on the road. I mean, Troy's a conference champ and, you know, Virginia's Power 5 team. Um, and Utah State's really played well since our game. And uh, I think what it tells you about our guys is uh, – crunch time you know at the end of the game uh they find a way to play their best and find a way to get it done and uh a resilient group and uh you know that's important you've talked about it that in the past even before you this program had a winning mentality and just made winning plays what does it say to you that that's still continuing under you that even when your team's not playing 100 percent, they're still managing to win ball games yeah well we're playing 100 percent effort we're just not 100 percent execution 
and we're playing a, a much higher level competition now. You know, this year you're not seeing any of those blowouts. I saw a stat last night where, you know, we're number one in the country in terms of one score wins with four. So uh, it, it tells me that when the pressure's on, our guys come through. Georgia Southern, the opponent this week. Obviously, we think back to last year. Your team gets ranked, and you you unfortunately fall in that game at Georgia Southern. How much do you use that as motivation for your program this week? I think quite a bit, and I don't have to do a lot with it. The players remember, but I'll I'll stoke the fire for sure because you're always looking for anything uh, to get the fire to burn hotter. And uh, our guys, I feel good about our mindset right now, getting ready to play this game. Obviously, Georgia Southern, a uh, you know a very solid offense here. Davis Brin, the, the Tulsa transfer there. What do you see are the challenges of, of covering an offense like this? Good design, good players. Uh, use the entire field. They're going to throw it 50-plus times. Uh, a lot of different concepts. they got playmakers. The quarterback is, is uh, really accurate. Got a run game that complements the pass game. Uh, they, they just stress you so much. Uh, with their style of play, and uh, that's where it all starts for them. But the defense is very much improved. Uh, very good on third down. Uh, a lot of takeaways. Uh, it's a new D coordinator. They're playing better. Their teams are solid. Just overall, a good football team. I mean, you know, it's 14-14 game midway through the third quarter at Wisconsin, and then they had some turnovers. But in the last two weeks, you know, they've created six takeaways and haven't turned the ball over. So, uh, you know, they've improved in that area too there's the chance of some rain a little bit of wind obviously it's, it seems like it's going to be a lot of places uh, all over this country how do you kind of attack that obviously virginia was already somewhat wet weather for that one how do you kind of look at you know handling some potential wet weather on saturday yeah we really don't think too much about it right now uh you know weather forecasts can change quite a bit uh you know in hour to hour day to day so uh you know, if we get some rain, we get some rain. Uh, we've been exposed to all of it. Are there are there specific drills you do to handle that sort of thing? We've seen on ESPN that uh, USC coaches are spraying their kids with water to kind of simulate getting rained on. Are there certain dr- uh, drills that you do for something like that? No, they need to do that out there because they don't get much rain. Um, I mean, we practice in the rain. Uh, you know, we don't go inside. So, you know, we expose our guys to all the conditions. You mentioned the, uh, the the recruiting that you do. You've been on ESPNU. You've been on NFL Network. You're going to be on ESPN two this week. Do the kids mention that that there's your program's getting more exposure now that you're in the Sun Belt? Well, there's no doubt about it, and it's great for the university, great for the athletic department, and football program, and not looking ahead, but next week it's ESPN. So uh, you know we've been successful, and uh, that success is translated into national television uh, appearances but we've got to continue to do well uh how about for you during a bye week obviously i know you're looking back and looking forward do you allow yourself to get away from football you watch the food network is there something you do on your time off well you know i'm still working a full day and maybe i'll get home an hour earlier uh but i'm i'm working and even on the weekend you know i have some family and i'm still going in the office in the morning and coming back you know, around noon, because there's there's just things that need tended to, and uh, but it, it, it's a little bit of a break. It's not quite as uh, break breakneck pace as in season. Um, obviously, look, we're we're focused in on Saturday, and since we're not going to be able to talk to you until you know in two weeks, how do you kind of handle the quick turnaround? Obviously, you haven't had too many. I don't know if you've ever had a quick turnaround like this from a Saturday to a Thursday. 
Well, as an assistant, I was exposed to quite a few of these when I was at Pitt in North Carolina State. Um, so we've got our schedule. Uh, you know, we know what we're going to do on Sunday after the game, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday. So, uh, But we'll deal with that when the time comes. How much do you appreciate playing at home? Obviously, you had that three-game road trip. You played at home two weeks ago, but another home game for the Dukes this weekend. Oh, quite a bit, especially after those three road trips. I mean, the Troy and the Utah State getting back at 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. Uh, so uh, it'll be a great crowd, uh, exciting. Uh, I'm glad we got these guys here and uh, looking forward to playing well. Noon game coming up on Saturday at James Madison and Georgia Southern on ESPN2. Coach, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you, Coach. And um, I was trying to make him laugh. I, I was just trying to figure out, you know, some coaches, they like to get away. Is he a Food Network person? Is he like a Survivor person? He watch baseball? I don't know. You know, I was trying to get that. And uh, Coach could not give that to me. So um, the Dukes, and this must have been recent. So they opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, the total 58-and-a-half. And all of a sudden, it's up to six. James Madison, a six-point favorite. Total is still around 58-and-a-half uh, for this one. So Vegas and the odds makers and the people wagering on the game love the Dukes uh, this week. I think so, too. I mean, I, I'm looking more at the money line, tying that up with something else than just taking them to cover. Um, the weather still kind of concerns me. Uh, for those who have not been looking, and I am definitely looking because this weekend I'm going to uh, uh, Bush Gardens for the uh, Halloween stuff. Um, but it's not going to be a pretty weekend, it looks like. I'm looking up the uh, weather.com for, for Harrisonburg. Saturday's forecast for Harrisonburg, potential for heavy rainfall. Uh, winds south at 5 to 10 miles per hour, chance of rain 60%. That's in the daytime. And then there's a chance of occasional showers at night. Um, that's the game. And if it's like that, boy, that, that helps out James Madison even more. And that might be the reason why there's a bump because um, James Madison will flourish in rain type of things. Whereas Georgia Southern, who's more of an aerial team, they're going to suffer a little bit in that sort of situation. Um, so that's probably why the lines jumped a little bit. There is college football tonight. You've got uh, SMU in East Carolina and West Virginia and Houston. So two legit games. Probably two games that will be better than the NFL game tonight, Chiefs and Broncos. There's also a baseball game tonight. And then there's three games tomorrow, Tulane, Memphis, Stanford, Colorado, and uh, Fresno State, Utah State. Rumor says that the Pac-12 is actually going to have Colorado play on C-SPAN tomorrow. Because that's where, um, that's where I figured that's left. You know, every other channel, I'm looking up to see what it is for real. But you know my running joke in terms of like them putting uh, Colorado on the Pac-12 network where nobody could see them. Colorado and Stanford will actually be on ESPN tomorrow, so that'll be good. So there'll be some college football. There's there's uh, football I think on every day for the next like 30 days, whether it's the pros. Well, college, because remember, Conference USA saw what Maction was doing and decided to do it on Tuesday and Wednesday. Liberty already got their win this week, so uh, that's for them. By the way, the line in the Tech game, Wake Forest opened as a one-point favorite. Total was 49. Virginia Tech is now the favorite at one and a half. Total went down to 48. 
Uh, once again, the weather in Blacksburg will also probably be um, not necessarily the best. I'm looking it up now. There is a, well, 50% chance of rain and slight, slight, slight uh, wind uh, for that one. So you've got uh, Virginia Tech. We'll get more into that game tomorrow with regards to who I think is going to win, Virginia Tech or Wake Forest. I think it's a good matchup for Virginia Tech. I think if the Virginia Tech that showed up two weeks ago against Pittsburgh shows up there, they win this game rather easily. If the team that plays on the road shows up in this one, um, they're going to struggle. Wake Forest is not good this year. Mitch Griffiths, who we talked to at ACC Media Day, just hasn't succeeded as much as his team would like him to. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Um, Old Dominion is off, and Virginia is off this weekend. And, of course, Richmond is at Rhode Island. VMI at the Citadel for the Silver Shaco. And I'm looking to see. I don't think William & Mary. I think William & Mary has a bye this week. So um, they are off this week as well. We'll do more college football tomorrow as we get you set for the weekend ahead. Um, let's take a timeout. Coming up, I want to update my power rankings for the main state schools. No VMI, no Norfolk State. Just the main uh, schools in the, uh, in, the air, in the state, the top seven. We'll update that. Plus... Big Game Boomer just tweeted out the top 50 worst hiring uh, coaching hires in college football of the 21st century. One state school made the list. We'll tell you who was one of the top 50 worst hirings of the 21st century. Uh, you probably can guess who it is, but we'll do that next 1061 ESPN. They took care of the Black Bears. Now their sights are set on the Rams. Hey, it's Bob Black. Richmond football's coming off a high-powered win over Maine. And now it hits the road Saturday at Rhode Island. We'll bring it home to you on the air at 1230, kickoff at 1, on the home of the Spiders, 1061 ESPN. Ask Sherwin-Williams Dirk. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here, taking up to 4 o'clock. You know what we do tomorrow. Tim Murray will join us, Avisin, and uh, Joe Sheehan will join us to start previewing the LCSs as it'll be the uh, Eagles and or the, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks and um, the Rangers and the Astros. I'm setting myself up here for everybody to laugh at me tomorrow, but like I don't care. I mean, you should know by now that I can take it as much as I will give it out to the listeners. Like I, I'm I fine. almost have to root for the Phillies right now. No, you don't. You could I it's fine. I'm willing you look, everybody can come at me. I'm fine. Like it would be very Philadelphia of them to lose the next two games. But I'm very confident that Spencer Strider will come out. He will struggle. It'll be like a four two game and the Phillies will win. I'm fine with that. Listen, I'm I, I think I like to think that for my hour of this radio show, I just like to have fun. I'm just like everybody else who's listening. Because guess what? When I leave here, I listen to sports radio elsewhere. So I like to think that I'm having fun with everybody. I mean, this is this is what we do. If you're not having fun doing this job, then like you don't belong in this job. So, you know. And by the way, I am very kind during Eagles Commanders Week. Like the Eagles won. Did I come here Monday and laugh the whole time? And 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 do did I guarantee an Eagles victory? No, I didn't do you any should. of that stuff. I should have. So you're saying? Yeah. No, 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 no. I just want to see this energy with uh, basketball season. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, there is none until the Sixers get rid of Josh, uh, James Harden. I don't care. They they don't exist. The Flyers start tonight. That you can get more. If the Flyers are ever actually good, I will taunt some Caps fans. I mean, the Flyers still manage to beat the Capitals even when they're terrible. But like, no one talks hockey trash. I know there will be no. There may be 
come college basketball season, joking trash talk when Temple plays VCU. Um, Temple, is that a college? Yes, that is a college in Philadelphia. That is. Um, there may be some joking, but that's because I, you know, I love VCU, I love Temple, and therefore, you know, they know. They know when I see when that when that game comes around, or VCU plays Syracuse. Like what was it two years ago, when I hated that game because Syracuse couldn't stop them, and it's my alma mater. So like, I think Braves fans can take it, and they'll dish it back at me when there's a game five on Saturday. They are good fans. No, they're, not, I hate no the Braves, they're not. But I like I like their fans. No, they're not. No, they're not. They didn't sell out. You could buy tickets at the door for games one and two. I meant here. I don't know about Atlanta. Oh, here, fine. Yes, because of the Richmond Braves. They're not. They're not Braves fans because they want to root for winners. They root for because the Braves were the the affiliate. There's probably a lot of Giants fans here. Which how long ago have the Braves been out? Oh goodness, the the Richmond Braves. That's been a long. It's been time. it's been it's been some time. Is it my whole adulthood? I think it looks like 2008. 2008 was the end of the Richmond Almost. Braves. So uh, 2009, they moved to Gwinnett, and then we brought the squirrels in, which is great, which breeds uh, some Giants fans here, I'm sure. Um, and then when if the squirrels leave, which we hope they never do, uh, we'll get the next team in here. So no. I don't agree with you. The Braves fans around here, I don't mind them. The Braves fans down in Atlanta who don't sell out the stadium, who allow a lot of Phillies fans to show up, who do the tomahawk chop, who were sitting behind home plate games one and two and didn't show up, those people I don't like. The people here, fine. Okay. We had the affiliate here for the longest time. I can understand that. I certainly can understand that. If Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, my area, had an affiliate for a different team other than Philadelphia, which is the logical thing, then it would be different. But I would, spoiler alert, I was a Braves fan growing up. Here's the reason why A, those pitchers, TBS, the Superstation. When I grew up, the Phillies were terrible. My dad didn't push the Phillies on me like he pushed the Eagles, the Sixers, the Flyers, whatever. So I was a, a Braves fan. Part two is I was a pitcher. I pitched in, in uh, intramurals. I wasn't good enough to make the high school team or anything. And when you think pitching back when I was growing up, it was Maddox, Avery, Glavin, Smoltz. Steve Avery was my favorite of them all. Although I loved, who didn't love Greg Maddox, but Avery was my favorite, even though I was a righty. So when I grew up, I was a Braves fan. And so, yeah. And then... And, you know, I started to be like, I, I can't root for this team anymore. So then I became a Marlins fan. And then the Marlins had a couple fire sales, and I was like, all right, screw this. I'm just going to go home and, and be a Phillies fan. You lucked out. I did. I did. But so that's that's my fandom history. So I was a Braves fan, but I'm not anymore. And now I think the Braves are a bunch of whiny you-know-whats. Um, all right, so... Uh, I updated my power rankings. I probably should have kept the last one we did. The last one we did was probably week one, after the week one games. And we're only doing the power seven, so no Norfolk State, no VMI, no uh, Division Two, no Division Three. So these are only the top seven of the ones that we do and we talk about the most. Obviously, State, Union, Macon, uh, Hampton, Sydney, they're all doing really well. I don't know enough about... Comparing all of them to do this with them. Um, we'll start from the bottom. Number seven is the Virginia Cavaliers. I still think that they're not very good. Um, the William Mary game doesn't make me think that they're uh, better. They don't have a lot of wins left on the schedule. 
And until they put in Anthony Calandria, like, I'm just not there. They play at uh, UNC next Saturday, and then they play at Miami, and then they get Georgia Tech, and then they get Louisville, Duke, and Virginia Tech. That is rough. There's maybe one more win there. So Virginia's my worst team. Number six is Richmond. I mean, Richmond's pulling out wins left and right, but they've got quarterback injury issues. Um, The defense has been good, not great. So Richmond's down there. Somebody has to be down there. The Spiders think their quarterback issues are solved? I don't know. You'd have to ask Bob that. Uh, he, the the, the uh, Coleman kid was, I mean, obviously he threw six touchdown passes last week. So he did it for one week. Um, we'll see what happens. Now that there's more and more tape coming out, will they be able to um, fix things a little there? I like Wickersham. I mean, this kid's good too, but I, I like nobody's nobody's saying what's going on with his injury. He always like they always say he's available in an emergency. So like I don't know what's going on there. There's a shroud of mystery, which I'd love to see a standard injury report in college football, but we'll never get to that. Uh, so Richmond's number six. We're going from the bottom. Number five, Old Dominion, who has surpassed or is almost surpassing their win total for the season. It was three and a half. They've got three wins. Um, they have off, but they also have a really tough schedule. They play App State, JMU, Coastal Carolina, Liberty, Georgia Southern, and Georgia State. That's not looking good either. That is record-wise. That is uh, three and three, five and zero, oh, uh, three and three. Coastal's better than three and three, and so is App State. Uh, Liberty is undefeated. Georgia Southern's four and one, and Georgia State is also four and one. We'll see. I mean, I think they they may steal another one of those games. They'll be in all those games. That's what's crazy. Yeah, they'll be in it because they've played a lot of close games. Every game except for the Tech one has been one score. That unfortunately includes Texas A&M Commerce. So that's number five. Number four, Virginia Tech. I, I At their best, they move up. At their worst, they are the worst. Consistency is my problem with Virginia Tech. They've got the weapons. They've got the offensive guys to be able to do something. They just have to actually do it. And we'll see. They need to win this weekend against Wake Forest. And I think they probably will. They're, you know, somewhat disappointing, though. Uh, Number three, William & Mary takes a step back. They were number two before. They're number three. Uh, losing to Virginia is unacceptable. No, I'm just kidding. But, like, they now have two losses on the season. There are some things that William Mary needs to fix. Obviously, they get a bye week. They'll be able to try and do that. We'll see what happens. Number two is Liberty. Liberty is a good team, but, like, a lot of their undefeated record is based off one of the easiest schedules ever created in college football. Like, I think if you look at what Liberty and who Liberty has played so far this season, and it's not their fault. There's nothing they can do about it. They didn't make their schedule. You know, this is one of those things where over time they've took care of some of these un, uh, uh, non-conference games. Bowling Green, New Mexico State, Buffalo, Florida International, Sam Houston, and Jacksonville State. That's Liberty's schedule. And the toughest game is Jacksonville State, and that was last week, and they won 31-13. Which means they're a good team. They are just, I think, a product of an easy schedule. They're back in action next Tuesday against Middle Tennessee before the huge game against Western Kentucky on Tuesday the 24th. And, of course, we all know who number one is. It's the flagship. Virginia Union. Well, they would would be. Actually, Virginia State would be ahead of Union because State hasn't lost and Union has a loss. But the flagship, it's James Madison. They haven't lost yet. They've literally gone through a three-game road trip 
three straight on the road, came out of it and winning every game differently. And then they come back home and take care of South Alabama. I expect them to win this weekend. I don't know where JMU loses the rest of the year. There's several opportunities for them to lose, but I, I, until I see them actually make losing plays, I just don't see it happening. So therefore, the flagship is uh, number one. So real quick question, chances on being accepted into a bowl? James Madison, well, they need all sorts of chaos. That's they need literally not enough teams to fill it, and then they would have to actually want to go to a bowl game. Because remember, there's a lot of money involved with the bowl game, buying tickets, um, you know, flying people out, and you know, the bowls take care of some of that. So if it's a crappy bowl, I can see there's a small chance that they say they don't want to do it. But we haven't often seen not enough teams make bowl games for that to happen. It's a, the shame of it is if they were eligible, because a lot of people are talking about Wyoming as the best group of five team to make that New Year's Day bowl, New Year's whatever bowl. James Madison would probably be number one if they were eligible. They're not. And actually, I was watching ESPN yesterday, and they were talking about the NCAA not letting JMU in anything, which is terrible. It's a black eye on the entire sport well, of college football. I mean, yeah, but you know how many of those they have? They have a bunch. There's millions of them. They just take them every week, it feels like. But... Yeah, now the uh, national networks are at least paying attention to it. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll do a quick final segment, and we'll get to set for tomorrow. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. We gave you the Braves all regular season on this dial. Why would we stop now? 1061 ESPN is your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves games during the 2023 MLB playoffs. Don't miss a moment. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here. And uh, final segment. And um, I do want to bring this up real quick. Big Game Boomer, who we've had on the show, who does these lists, did the top 50 worst head coaching hires of the 21st century in college football. There was one member of this list from the state schools. I think we can all kind of uh, guess in your car. Let's all scream it out together. One, two, three. Justin Fuente, number 19 on the list. I don't think he was that bad. I don't think he was that bad. I would have put him more in the high 20s, low 30s. I don't think he was that bad. Number one was Art Bryles. Number two, DJ Durkin in Maryland. Number three, Chad Morris in Arkansas. Number four, Scott Frost in Nebraska. And number five, Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee. That is your top five worst head coaching hires of the 21st century. Justin Fuente is 19th. He's the only one on this list. Poor Ron Prince, the former UVA assistant. He's 50th on Can- with Kansas State. Turner Gill is there, the former Liberty coach, a former Buffalo coach, 36th. Al Golden, 31st to Miami. So there are some t- Hugh Freeze, number 10 to Ole Miss. So that was before Liberty. Uh, so, yeah. There are some ties here. So go follow them on Twitter if you want to see this list and go check that out. Um, all right. You know what we do tomorrow? Uh, we will talk uh, gambling. Tim Murray, VEASAN will join us at 315. Joe Sheehan of the Sheehan Baseball Newsletter will preview the championship series as well or preview Braves-Phillies Game 5, which I don't think is going to happen, but we'll see. You can hear it here on 1061 ESPN. Potentially the last game of the Atlanta Braves season. Thanks to our guest, uh, Coach Kurt Signetti of the flagship JMU football program. If you ever miss an interview, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com. You can check it out there and uh, see what's going on, whether it's my show, Bob's show, Al's show, whoever. You can find all the interviews there. Thanks to AJ for all his hard work. 
Uh, we'll close things out in style tomorrow as we get you set for a fun and potentially wet weekend here in the capital city. From 3 until 4, you're listening to 1061 ESPN.